Um, I wanted to preface the message this morning with a prophecy that I brought in this church on October the 25th, 1997. How many were alive in 1997? Okay. How many are not sure, but you'll check with the next guy next to you. And I brought this prophecy in 1997, and I read it this morning, and it resonated with me that I wanted to begin this message with this prophecy, because, you know, we live by the Word. That's the good thing about being a people of the Word. We live by the Word. The, the Word is our meat. The Word is our substance. It's our life. It's what not only gives us vision, but it also inspires us to action. And so prophecy is important to all of us to, to continually look to because that's what really sets on some course for the, the transition and the transformation in our life. And so I want to read just some of this word to you uh, that I read this morning. And this is what preachers do when they don't have anything else. They just read you what they used to do, right? <laughs> so you can take it for how you... <laughs> The Lord, the Lord is speaking this morning, and can we say this morning? This morning. Amen. That there's going to be a, a power of agreement in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands with me this morning. As we do that, let's declare in our hearts that there's no division among us. That we are one mind, one heart, we have one Lord, and we have one faith. Amen. Amen. Lord, you said that if any two should agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Today, we pray, God, that there would be a spirit of revelation, an anointing that would come and bring liberty, an anointing of faith, an anointing of anticipation, and an anointing of the oil of joy, an anointing of the oil of gladness, an anointing of the oil of the bride and of the bridegroom an anointing that comes to bring liberty into the house of the Lord. Lord, an anointing that comes to establish your saints in your will and in your mind. And an anointing that comes, Lord, to bring us into the place that our eyes see and our ears hear and our mouth speaks as a voice of triumph. An anointing that comes to break us out of what we were and brings us into what we are to be. An anointing, Lord, that takes away the fear and brings in the faith. An anointing, Lord, that brings us all into all that you said that we are to be and all that we can be in the name of the Lord. An anointing, God, that comes and causes a roar in Zion. Okay, this is an illustrated sermon. And becomes a shout in the house of the Lord. For victory is compounded unto victory. You know, you'd like to compound interest, right? How about some compound victory? (laughs) Victory unto victory, glory unto glory. We like that stuff, don't we? It won't be just an adding to, but God said, I will multiply. Everybody say multiply. multiply. The seed that, was, that's in, that has been sown, and I will cause a mighty harvest to come forth out of my people. I will cause there to be an explosion of faith, an explosion of abundance, an explosion of prosperity, an explosion of anointing in the house of the Lord. Everybody say, explode on me, O God. For we shall not be called those that are desolate, nor shall we be called those that are forsaken, but we will be called the married of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, if I'd known this is good, I'd read this years ago, right? Yeah. We are joined together of our Lord. When the enemy rises up to take his place, we will say to him, we will not let you take off what you choose to take from us. We will not allow you to come to rob, to kill, to steal, and destroy our souls, our minds, our hearts, and our faith. We say that our God is the God of abundance and blessing for his people. We say today that the enemy will not invade the house of the Lord. He shall be repelled by the anointing of the Lord. 
When he comes in, we shall cast him out. We will have no mercy upon him. We will have no tolerance of him in our midst, saith the Lord. We break the back and we break the yoke of the oppressor today in the name of Jesus. We will not be worn out by his assault. In the midst of his assault, we're going to pray that God will send showers and refreshings of blessings from on high. I see in the spirit this morning that there is a great cloud that has been seated by prayer. It is a cloud, as we look at it, it grows heavier and darker. But not in the gloom and doom sense, but it's growing heavier, heavier and darker because it has an abundance of rain to pour out upon us. As we seed into this cloud this morning with our praise and worship, we cry out for rain in the time of the latter rain. As we lift our voice to the God of heaven, the cloud grows thicker and heavier with the abundance of God. And some of you this morning are like men and women in dry places. You're parched, your tongue is dry, and your throat is sore. The Lord said, lift up and open your mouth for I will pour in blessings upon you. Amen, hallelujah. Lift up and open your mouth, saith the Lord. I'll pour a blessing upon you. Hallelujah. I like this stuff, don't you? Woo. And we haven't got to the good part yet. Amen. Oh. I will bring showers and showers and showers down upon you, saith the Lord. For this shall be the day of the showering of the Lord upon the people of God. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers, we pray, showers of blessings. Good Dale and Jean, we love you guys. God just keeps saying over and over, see how great I am in your midst. See how great I am in your midst. See how marvelous I can be to you if you open your heart to me, saith the Lord. Showers in the house of the Lord, refreshing showers, creating rivers of water, blessings and wine of the kingdom of God, mountains dripping with wine, hills flowing with milk, valleys running with water, saith the Lord. In the house of the Lord, close your eyes and say, Lord, I want some of this anointing this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, fill me up higher. Fill me up, Lord. October the 25th, 1997. It's amazing how the Lord doesn't change his mind about anything, does he? <laughs> he still wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. In Acts chapter 2, we, we see a beautiful demonstration of, of the fruit of unity. It says that when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and they were all together in one accord. How many realize the necessity of being together in one place and of one accord? There's nothing that's impossible when unity is achieved. In fact, everything that becomes significant for the kingdom always is the fruit of union. Union then becomes the epicenter of creation. When you join Two together, they become one. And that becomes an expression of the nature of God. See, none of us could ever express the fullness of God independently of one another. We're only revealed in the union that we create with others. And in the house of God, part of the challenges we have is that in each local house of the body of Christ, and we're, everybody say, we're a local house of the body of Christ. We're not the house, we're not the only house, and we're not one of the chosen houses. We're just a house in the house of God. We're a part of the body of Christ. And when, when you create a people or a family, it gets stronger and stronger and more unified until it comes to the place that it must become expressive in order for it to have a demonstration of who it is. It's like if you take a young man and a young woman that come together in marriage, they become one spirit, one heart, one flesh. Out of that union comes forth a new creation. It's called a child who has part of both, husband and wife. But yet it has its own identity. The same thing in the body of Christ. The church is divided 
universally in thousands and thousands of denominations and sects. Did God divide the church into thousands and thousands of denominations and sects? No, that's not of the Lord. Division is never of the Lord. The only thing that God can bless is unity. It says in Psalms 133 that when brethren come together in unity, there's where God commands his blessings to flow. And it's like the oil of God that begins to run down off the beard of Aaron. As it begins to run down, it begins to become the expression of the presence of the Lord to the earth. What the world is waiting for What's going to convince the world that we are who we say we are is when we become one together. Because it's in that unity that we learn to love. You're not really tested in your love until you're tested how you can love someone that's different than you. Amen? That's why we tend to, in our life, we tend to attract people to us or to draw people to us that are like us because they're easier to love. It's hard to love someone that's opposite of you. That's why it's very difficult to love an enemy, isn't it? Because your enemy is, makes a straightforward statement to you that, hey, uh, I don't like you. <laughs> but the Bible said, love your enemies. It's like in the modern society we live in, we have all these dating applications, which, by the way, I haven't been partaking of for... <laughs> Over, over 50 years. <laughs> and they, over 50 years ago, they didn't have dating applications. Thank you, Jesus. I, I like the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you put in, the, I guess, I, and I'm not saying this from experience, but I'm saying this from what people have told me, okay? So understand, I haven't done a lot of research on this. And I don't intend to. Um, and I'm not saying that dating applications are wrong. Because some of our best couples here have met that way. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, but what happens in a dating application, I, I think this is how it works. You put in a column all the things you like and all the things you dislike. And so that you turn the computer on and it goes, and it matches up your likes with someone else's likes. And that's Okay. Because there's nothing wrong with liking something that someone else likes. But what happens is that it does not take into account the heart. Because, you, you mean, you, we all might like, you know, going bowling or playing golf or riding our bicycle up and down mountains. And thank God, we, look, we found a spouse that loves those same things. They're bowlers and they're bikers <laughs> and whatever else they are. They're scuba dive. But <laughs> the problem is, how do you find someone that matches your heart? Because see, if I can be in agreement with someone all day long on likes and dislikes, but that doesn't mean there's any true agreement with me. Because it's not what I seek is what someone likes about me or what I like about them. What I seek is someone I can be one with in the spirit. Because see, all unity begins in the spirit. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter four that we have both two kinds of unity at play. The unity of the spirit is the prerequisite to what we call the unity of faith. The unity of faith then is the, the belief system and the express system, system of how we manifest ourselves. But the unity of spirit begins before the manifestation. Because it's, we're not concerned about the likes and dislikes. We're concerned about can we be one with this person? So I, I would venture to say we'd have a lot more people today, young people. And it's amazing because you, nowadays people are 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years old, still looking for the perfect mate. But, and they haven't found one because they couldn't find one that checked all the boxes. Oh, that guy looks pretty interesting, but you know, he likes to ride horses and I can't stand the smell of horse hair in my house. So I'm going to check him off the box and they didn't take time to look into the guy's heart because maybe he was the jewel that God was had for them. You see what I'm saying? And so what? Throw the horse thing out. Who cares? Well, he doesn't do things the way I like for him done. 
So I check him off my box or I check her off my box. But see, God doesn't bring us together that way. God brings us together in spirit because unity begins in the spirit. And when unity begins in the spirit, we set the stage for something incredible to take place in our life. And when the church can come to the place that we don't look on the outward man, but we, we take the model of Christ where he said, I know no man now after the flesh. Aren't you glad that the Lord didn't have a checkoff box for us? I, hey, this is my sons and daughters. They pray 30 minutes a day, check. They give 10% of time, check. They're devoid, devout, and they're always considerate of my laws, check. Check, check, check. Now, I accept them as my sons and daughters. God doesn't see us after the flesh, does he? What he, he may look at you, and if he starts doing the check thing, he may say, disobedient, non-tither, they don't pray, they sin a little bit every day, they make all kinds of mistakes, they talk bad about so-and-so this day, and they did this that day, and they thought bad that day, so I uncheck them from relationship. No, the Lord said, I bring you in even with all of your faults because I love you because of who you are. Because we know that in the process of union creates the process of transformation. Because when union takes place between two people or in a body, it brings transformation to everyone. I may be doing the wrong things, saying the wrong things, being the wrong things, but if I can be joined with people in the Lord and we join together in the Lord, then that, I begin to be transformed into something different than what I am. It's a beautiful expression, isn't it? It creates a sound that everyone hears. Suddenly it said, in this midst of this, <laughs> being in one accord in one place, suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven and I know we can go on to say rushing mighty wind and fill the whole house and, and all that stuff's wonderful, but I just want to focus this morning on the sound. There's a harmonic sound that comes when we join together as one. It's a sound from God. Have you ever noticed in a service or in the things that we go through in our body that there's certain moments, there's certain times, certain services, all of a sudden we all say, Wow, there's the sound. There's the sound. Because there's this connection that we make to the Lord in unity. And then there's a sound that comes. And it's like someone came in and all of a sudden they hit the tuning fork. Boing, boing. And we go, wow, did you hear that? Did you feel that? Did you see that? Because all of a sudden this connection became so real that it resonated in the midst of us. Are you following me? Yes. So unity creates a sound. Behold how good, how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. There's nothing like a family of unity. In, if you'll... Sue and I have been married 51 years and God knows that she's been a pay, faithful, patient person. How grateful I am, Sue, for you to put up with my craziness. <laughs> there, there I admitted it. I admitted it. I didn't even have to go to a priest and confess. I just admitted it in front of you. But there's something about that, and we're, God forbid, we're far, far from a perfect marriage. We're far from a perfect family. We both desire that something be better for us. But I think if anyone, of even a casual observation would look at our family when we're together and they say, there's a people that create a sound. We go to Ridosa every year and we take everyone and take the grandkids and I love the grandkids so much. They probably get tired of me sometimes because I think I'm, they think I'm crazy. I used to chase them around the house and I'd say, I'd be, they call me the mean old lotion papa. <laughs> How many would like an explanation of what a mean old lotion papa is? I'd, 
would walk by and they have a lotion on the, Sue has a lotion on the cabinet and I'd push, push some lotion down, put it in my fingers and I'd go and I'd start chasing them and I'd have a big wad of lotion on my fingers and I'd grab them and I'd smear it over their face, head. <laughs> Papa, you mean no lotion, Papa. You got me again. <laughs> and then I'd chase them and I'd come in and, and they'd scream and they'd run. The Mino lotion, Papa. And so I'd chase after them through the rooms. And this probably led to a few of my ambulance, uh, <laughs> hospital trips to the am, in the ambulance. But I would grab one, and I remember I'd grab Nadia, and I'd hold her like this, and, and I'd grab Ben, I, I, I grabbed Samuel, and I grabbed Kendall. I've done it to all of them, but I, I, and Nadia was so funny because... Anyway, you'd have to know Nadia back then to know how funny it was. Anyway, <laughs> all my kids know what I'm talking about. And I'd, I'd, I'd rock her and I'd sing that song, rock a cry baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And then down will come baby cradle and all. So I, and I'd throw up in the air on the couch. And boy, by that time I'm going, <sighs> she'd say, again, Papa, again. So rock a cry, baby. <laughs> throw, throw them in the kid. Again, Papa, again. <laughs> and I, I mean, after about four or five times, you know, I'm like, oh my Lord. I just went to the gym. And then they would holler, come on, chase us, me, no lotion, Papa. <laughs> you know, so I'd have to run all over the house chasing them. But there's a, there's a sound in our home. There's a sound of unity that comes because of love and oneness. And it's the sound that we've created here in so many times, so many ways. The unity that comes from oneness. And it, we see it in Second Chronicles as well. And I'm not going to read you too much more scripture because I'm already probably way behind in what we're doing today. This is probably, what's going to happen today before this service is over? Some of you are going to go like, ah, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Others are going to say, wow, glory to God. I mean, you're going to, we're going to get all kinds of expressions this morning before this day's over, believe me. But I want to tell you this, if you'll just survive it, if you'll just hang on till the end, you'll all be happy. Okay. Praise the Lord. I need water. I could just open my mouth and it'll fall from heaven, right? Isaac, I never got to play me in a lotion pop with you, did I? <laughs> Save me after church. <laughs> but I guarantee you, I'm not going to be rock and cry, babe. <laughs> stand up, stand up, Isaac. How many know that would be the end of the pastor? If I tried to rock and cry, baby him. He's getting to the point he could rock and cry, baby me. That's for sure. Yeah. In fact, that's one thing they say when you get older, everything comes back, you know. So, so I'm, I'm expecting one day for some of you to rock a cry baby me. Rock a cry papa in the treetop. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, it said in verse 13, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So the priest could not even continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Amen. So saying all that to say a lot of other things. We're in, a, we're in a season, and many of you already know about it. Some of you don't, and I apologize that we're not able to share with everyone here privately. But many of you have been shared with. We're in a very exciting time. And I know some of you will probably view this as um, not exciting. And I can understand that because what we're doing now has taken myself around 10 months of process. And I told some last week, I said, I am ex expecting you in 10 seconds to digest what took me months. <laughs> and, 
but Jed, you better do it because I expect you to. <laughs> um, the process that I've gone through, and Sue and I have gone through in the last few months, Darren and Jennifer, David, uh, all of the family, it's been a process of transition. And at first, it seemed to be uh, a process of end. But the longer we got into this, if you listen to the message from last week, which I encourage you to do, called Let's Change, you'll understand the process of how you go through this point of dying. See, everything that, everything that becomes something great has to first go through a process of death first. It's only in the death that we find the life. Right. So I went through a process of death. I cried. I spent many days crying. I spent days in depression, not clinical depression, by the way, but I spent days depressed. I, I spent days that, that I thought I couldn't even, you know, function really. I could, some days I couldn't sleep right. I'm going to tell you, this is the honest truth. Lately, I'm sleeping like a baby. I couldn't sleep. I was, and, and I wasn't a total wreck. I mean, I put on a pretty good face all the way, but inside it was a, a time because I thought, and I was, I had to come to the place that I was willing to give up everything again. You know, after you get to be, I'm almost 72. After you get to be this age, you've gone through enough times of the cross that you feel like that the Lord shouldn't take you through another journey. He should be actually be giving you merit badges and say, look, this man has passed the test <laughs> over and over and over again. Because I thought, I really thought somewhere in the back of my mind, that you actually earn some kind of a pass <laughs> when you got a certain age. <laughs> you know, it's like I like to say, you know, I can say anything I want to because I'm 70 now. Well, unfortunately, Sue keeps reminding me that's not true. That's just my own, my own belief. And it's kind of that way I thought with God. Well, Lord, I've gone through this and this and this and this. And anybody that's been in this church for many years, you've heard every one of my cross experiences so much so that they probably... In, printed in your brain. And you're probably saying, please wash my brain. Amen. Because I, I, I tell the things that I go through and they're not easy. So I'm thinking, surely I'm at an age now to where I don't need to do this. But the Lord said, no, you got to do it. In fact, I, I want to share something I've never shared before here. And I don't think I ever told Sue because it was kind of weird. <laughs> but now that I can tell it in publicly and she gets me, then you'll know that why. Um, it was a little over a year ago, and this was before any of this happened. I was driving up to the church, and I, I had a, a vision of a hearse, a hearse. And in that hearse, it was me. I said, wow. So I thought, what does this mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm contemplating, well, maybe I don't have long to live. Maybe I'm just seeing a vision of my own funeral at the church. And this morning I drove up and I realized what that vision was all about. Wow. So after church, I'll be going in a new car out here. <laughs> but uh, uh, the last few months, I had to die. You know, when you've been in the ministry 50, 50 years in this November, it really becomes who you are. And the ministry's never been a job for me. Thank God. That would have been a poor choice because it's not a place you get rich at, Right. It wasn't a job, it wasn't an occupation, it was a calling, and it still is. And let me preface before I go any further, because I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm about to say. I'm not retiring. Amen. Amen. I'm not leaving. Amen. I'm not forsaking you. I'm a man of my word. Amen. How many believe Bill Hart's a man of his word? Amen. Amen. You can go to the bank on what I tell you. I don't know how much money you'll get, <laughs> but at least you can go there. <laughs> it's like, he told me. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. But a few months ago, I began to see 
and became aware that the Lord was doing something different. And, and like I said, when I first began to perceive this, it, it didn't seem very positive. But now, after this whole process, I've gotten good news to report to you this morning. This is the most positive, exciting thing that's ever happened to me in 50 years of ministry. So what some of you may interpret this morning as not being that, I'm, I'm assured in my heart that it is. I don't know, the ones that are closest to me, Dale, and uh, I'm, I'm Dale's here this morning, and Gene, of course, Darren and Jennifer, Darren, David, I'm, I'm, when I say I'm family, okay, you all know them already, but, but uh, the, the Gentries and the Davises and uh, Sean Bowles, I spent two hours with Sean Bowles in September. How many believe Sean Bowles is one of the most anointed prophets in the world? He is. Mahesh uh, not as much time with him because just recently. And then um, Gary, my friend Gary, and uh, who am I missing here? Uh, no, there's four. Is that four? Okay, I thought that was three. So th- these are what I call apostolic elders. And then the pastors, the family. So this has been a process going with them over these last few months. And uh, I begin to notice that in the midst of us, even though we have, I believe, one of the greatest churches on the planet. I mean, I'm a little bit prejudiced in saying that. You have to take it as a grain of salt. But I really believe this is a special place. 35 years we've been here not in this building, but 32 years in this building. And um, we've seen it all. I mean, we've seen it. We've experienced about everything you can experience as a people. We've seen little bitty crowds. We've seen this kind of crowd. We've seen great big crowds. We've seen hard times. We've seen great times. We've seen lots of glory. We've seen lots of bits of glory. We've seen about everything you can see. It's been one of the most wonderful journeys that a human being could ever take in this world to be a part of this house, those that have been a part of it. And 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 you'll all say one day, what an experience. But I'm gonna tell you, there's something greater coming than what we've had. And when I began to recognize this, that there was a transition coming, I began to seek confirmation. Confirmation began to come. So a few months ago, in fact, in May, Darren and I sat down in the restaurant over here, Abuelos, which means Papa. <laughs> um, my restaurant, Abuelos, um, we met with a, a gentleman named Ross Parsley. Not Rod Parsley, by the way. Some of you, you get the wrong impression if you're thinking about Rod. Okay, Ross Parsley, who's the pastor of one chapel here in Austin. You'll be able to meet Ross Parsley in just a few minutes, about 45, 50 minutes over here in the room next door. Uh, immediately we found that we had a heart together and immediately I began to be impressed with the vision of one chapel. Uh, one chapel has a vision of planting local churches, not a single mega church, which that's the way I feel as well. They currently have four local churches, uh, here in the greater Austin area. The mother, the mother church is located four miles from here in Oak Hill. They have a church in Lake Travis church in Liberty Hill, a church in Kyle, and they have faith for six more churches to open within the next few years in the greater Austin area. Ross and I continued to fellowship, and the thing that became clear was that we had a unity of spirit that was so unique. In fact, I made the comment later that of all the pastors, and I've known many pastors over the 50 years of ministry, and, and I I can't think of hardly any of them that I couldn't recommend to you. I think they're all great men and women of the Lord. But Ross was unique because he had a spirit that I had very seldom encountered in a leader. And each leader I've encountered have all had different qualities. But this man had something that was a depth that really resonated with me. And as time went by, I began to realize this was someone that I could walk with. 
that I could be joined with. Darren and Jennifer have been serving faithfully. Of course, Jennifer and David have been serving their own, own, own all their own, their all their lives here, or with me and Jen, Sue. From the time that they were babies, they've never missed church. Occasionally, you know, for whatever reason, but they, but they were always with us from the time they were little babies. They've always been with us in the house of the Lord. And, uh, wow, I don't know why I'm crying about that. I mean, maybe brings back memories, right? Okay. Um, and, and so my children and Darren didn't come along and he's just like a one. He's just, he's another son, but Darren and Jennifer, you know, we always thought, well, maybe Darren and Jennifer, as the old man, Papa gets older, they'll, he'll, they'll kind of move in and take over and take the church. And I, and we all had that assumption you know, that that would happen. But to be honest with you, I had never sat down with them and asked them that question. I'd always just assumed that was what would happen. Because in my mind, I, I, I was, my flesh wanted to create a legacy. And I, I would start even talking about, well, Ben, maybe Ben, I'd tell Ben, Ben, you're going to be, I, I got the grandchildren one day and said, which one of y'all would like to be a pastor? And this was before Nadia got a little older. Nadia said, I'll do it, Papa. <laughs> and so, and then I, but then I began to think about Ben, Ben being the pastor. So in my mind, I was thinking, well, yes, okay. Here we are, uh, we've been going 35 years. I can go another few years, then we'll turn it over to Darren and Jennifer. And they'll, they'll be about 60 when I turn it over to them. <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to the young people. <laughs> turn it over to the young people, the 60-year-olds, you know. I mean, old pastors are tough to get rid of because we, we feel like we've just got to hang on to the last minute, you know. And, but anyway, that's what I'm thinking about. In 2200, Ben will be turning it over to one of his grandchildren. And so... Austin Cathedral will be known throughout history as a perpetual church that will never end. And one of Bill Hart's, out of Bill Hart's loins, will come forth this testament, eternal testament of God's faithfulness. I mean, seriously, now you know why your suspicions are true. <laughs> That was really my thinking. But then I realized, Darren and Jerry said, hey, Papa. They didn't say Papa. They say, Bud. Um, <laughs> you know we love you. We'll always love you. We'll always serve you and Mom. We'll never leave you, forsake you. You know, all the good stuff that people say when they love each other. And, um, but we really don't feel like that God has called us to succeed you. And you know, when they said it to me, my first thought was, you know, you're right. I've known that, but I just wouldn't want to admit it. Now, of course, I didn't tell them that there. I wanted them to feel bad for a while. <laughs> but in fact, they've been feeling bad now for a while because I'm just now telling them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think y'all have assumed that too. So I want to make it clear. None of this is happening because Darren and Jennifer feel like that they're not supposed to succeed me. What's happening now is in the will of God. Amen. So much so that I can say to you with all of my heart that I can very seldom say this with this much confidence, that, that I'm convinced that the Spirit of God has created this whole thing that's fixing to happen for us. I'm convinced. I've never went through as long a process with as much confirmation as I have on this process. And you can ask anyone that I've been confiding with on this, that I've agonized it, I've questioned it, I've challenged it. I've challenged God. But the Lord continually comes back with confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. It's a good thing for some of you when you come to someone and say, did you know that God told me to do this? And then and someone says to you, well, uh, have you had it confirmed? No, but God told me. Okay, just remember when you get one of those words to think about me. 
How, and the greater the, the word you get, the more confirmation you seek. Amen. And the longer you take for it to mature in your spirit. There's nothing worse than a cruismatic that gets a word from God and just jumps so farly in. And then they wind up in despair. Oh my God, he told me this would happen. That, that I would be doing this and this. And look what's happened to me. What are you, God, I'm mad at you. We never gave God a chance to really speak to you. So just please let God speak to you before you respond. Don't be a cruismatic, charismatic. Amen? Amen. I'm just telling you that it works. Okay, I got to keep going because I'm kind of delaying a little bit because I don't want to miss what's going to happen over here. Okay. Um, It became clear something was happening in the spirit. So in September, I invited... Ross Parsley in one chapel to use, well, Ross actually invited himself. <laughs> he said, Pastor Bill, he said, we, we can only seat 350 in the Oak Hill campus, but every September and January, we have what we call a multi-campus worship service and worship teams from each one of our campuses come together. And then we have a week long prayer, 6 a.m. in the morning. And everyone that's been praying, we invite them to come and kind of reward them with a great worship experience. And they just had one this last Friday. Eric went to that two hour long worship service and they prayed all night long. And they had a, still had 130 people at the end of two hours. And uh, I have to commend them for that. Amen. So we're, I'm going to pray you that, play you this a little clip, but this is the clip of when they were here. I was, let me just explain this. I was standing on the front, I was standing on the front row and uh, I took this video and Ross is in the black shirt leading. He normally doesn't lead, but he's his worship leader, but he's leading these other leaders and all across the front was, uh, what, 50, 60, 70 young people, right? Isaac, you were here young people worshiping the Lord. And you'll see this. And I was just sitting over here crying. And because uh, I love to see that. I love to see it. It was awesome. So can we dim the lights and play that video? David, we got that ready to go? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a fast track here pretty soon. Let's hear it. So that gives you a little idea of this group there. Last Easter, in their combined campuses, they had 2,300 people. Wow. Uh, they've been going 10 years with the four campuses. And um, um, the, and the Oak Hill congregation here is the mother church. And each church has its own pastor and worship team, but they're all part of one corporation. They don't believe in building huge megachurches, but building many medium-sized churches to minister to the people. They have an incredible outreach to young people, uh, teenagers, young adults. They have many, many, many uh, what we call journey journey groups. They're groups of people that meet. Uh, They have a phenomenal uh, way, way of reaching into the schools. Last year, they gave to teachers. They, uh, they do all kinds of things. They, uh, uh, they, they have a lot of different expressions than we do. They are spirit-filled, but they're not exactly like we are. And, uh, but we feel such a unity of the spirit, and it's so rare to find that, that we really feel like this union is what God is creating. So 
this is where we're at. Um, the next three months, we're going to be here. And, but on March 31st, uh, this building will be temporarily closed for about five months. There's going to be 600000 to $1 million worth of restoration here. The whole building will be completely redone. Double the size of the foyer, new ba- bathrooms done, sanctuary, working on the parking in the back, outside. I mean, it, it'll be phenomenal. Uh, there'll be, this will be all new carpet, different chairs, different configuration. It'll be, be brought up to current day. Amen. This has been 16 years and this looks great to me, but you know, it were, someone said we need a facelift, right? So it'll be about five months that we'll be, that we'll not be meeting in here. In the meantime, um, we had already committed in our heart, all the pastoral team, and now many of you leaders had already committed and we're hoping many of you will also commit. Now, let me preface that. Whatever you decide to do going forward, we totally respect that. If you feel the Lord leads you in a different direction, um, then we bless you. We have no, we'll have no ill will to say against you, but we'll only still commit to be your friends and to love you. But if you choose, we'd invite you and we'd encourage you um, to come with us, at least for a season. It might take a while before you'll see the fruit of coming with us, but I think that we'll all see a fruit that we didn't realize was possible. And we're, so the first weekend in April, we're, my wife and myself and my children, grandchildren, the Davises, and uh, I know the Bakers, and I, many others I could say have all said, yes, we're coming. We're going to actually join one chapel. And then when uh, uh, the five months is up, we're going to be back over here in this sanctuary. But in the meantime, we're also going to continue our fellowship with you guys. So from time to time, we're going to be having fellowships together. We're going to be a community still, if you choose to be. Because in the One Chapel family, there are many communities. It's not just like you got to be all one chapel. You can be, have your own community as well. And that's what we intend to have. Because the friendships that we have with you guys, we never want to lose. I, as far as I'm concerned, many of you... Uh, hopefully all of you will be friends for the rest of our life and we'll be walking together in the spirit. So uh, we're going to be doing some special events. We'll, we'll have some worship services, maybe at one chapel building that are apart from the services. And when we move back over here, we'll probably be having some worship services as well with our people leading the worship, not, but not on a Sunday morning, of course. So we're still going to continue as a people. Um, and so the... Um, I want to get quickly to this word, and I'll put this word out because I won't have time to read it all this morning. In 2008, uh, Sean Bowles spoke a word of prophecy to our church as well as to me. And um, I came across that this morning, and I like freaked out. I mean, I was mailing this to everybody. Ross partially got it this morning, and uh, Larry Foster, who you'll meet today, who's a, a, a great brother in the Lord, a very spiritual brother at their church will be here. And we're just so excited about hearing this word because this whole thing is setting us up to be a part of something that I believe is gonna have a major impact in this city. We've always believed at this church to impact this city, haven't we? Amen. And by joining together with Ross and One Chapel, I really believe we're going to have the opportunity to impact the city like we never dreamed possible. Because we believe in evangelism, don't we? But you know, but you know, we're not a very evangelistic church because we keep we're pressing into the perfection, into the unity of the Spirit, and all those things. But these people are very evangelistic, and they built very wide. But when we, as we come in with them, there are no guarantees on who we're who we're going to be to them. The only guarantee is that we're going to come in with a humility and a servants. Say, well, Pastor Hart, what's your position there? I have no clue. I don't seek a position there. I'm just going to go be a brother, a servant in the body of Christ. If if I have a position, I sure don't want to be a position that I I get because I want it. Because I really don't want a position. I just want to to serve and to be a blessing. And, uh, but in, in that, I really believe that the word that God has put in us here is not finished because we are finishing as 
uh, Austin Cathedral, so to speak, that we're becoming part of one chapel. I believe the word that God put in us, and you'll see this in this, this testimony, and we'll put it out so you'll be able to read it all, how Sean spoke to me in September. He said, Bill, there's a word in you that needs to expand to the entire earth, a word of wisdom, an apostolic word. And in this prophecy, it's beautiful to see that. So we're going to continue to labor in the word just like we have. We're going to continue to press into the kingdom. We're going to continue to, to believe God, this word of unity, this word of fatherhood, this word of connection will, will, will continue to spread and continue to broaden in his expression as we go forth. So uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I wish I had time to go into more of that this morning, but I really don't because I wanted, I wanted to give some time for some other people to speak, and I've taken up more time than I should have already. Um, but I, I just laying this before you this morning, and uh, if it's a, you've heard it for the first time, I, you may be a little shocked, but I'm just praying that the Lord will, uh, will speak to your heart in the coming days. If you have questions, if you have any uh, things you'd like to discuss, we're more than happy to discuss those things with you. Uh, not in a format this morning here, but uh, privately. And please come to the meeting afterwards and uh, fellowship together and listen to the heart of Brother Ross when he comes. And I think it'll give you far more clarity. So hold your hands up to the Lord. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I bless everyone here this morning that we're hearing these words, maybe for the first time. Maybe there's some that are confused or not fully understanding, and that's all right, Lord. Uh, I'm the same way. I feel the same. So, Lord, bring clarity to each one of us. Lord, speak to our hearts. Let there be a witness in our spirit if this is what we're to do, if what, what we're to be. And, and, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be at this point in history to see these transformations come to our life. In Jesus' name, amen.